Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host here with Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing, Vic? I'm doing fine, Mary Catherine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's I, going on? Well, yesterday, I barely made it to this chair. Yesterday, <laughs> I went to the gym for the first time oh, since... Good for you. April. Oh my gosh. Because I not only was pregnant and then you have to wait a little while after you have a baby to, to work out, but I was so sick while I was pregnant that I could just barely do sort of a 10, 15 minute every now and then tiny little cardio or something. And this, <laughs> so so this that... is, this is an actual gym building that you drive to. Yes. Okay. So that, that, that takes effort. It's like, you know, um, you're making a commitment when you go yeah. there. And the workout was, um, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was an hour long. Okay. Can you share with us what you did? Well, I was at Orange Theory, which is my, that's my, that's my fitness cult, my preferred fitness cult. (laughs) And, uh, and I got to tell you this, we were doing jump squats and, uh, I was like, and this is, this is not a, any kind of innuendo. I didn't know if I was going to make it back up from some of those (laughs) stuck at the bottom. Well, it's things that it's things, jump squats, it's things that you were not able to do with baby, obviously, so that this is uh, your body's like, wait, what are you doing? Right. I mean, it's got to be so weird feeling. Yes, but fun. It's it's like, uh, it's like that first night you have a couple drinks after you've had a baby where it's like, it's nice to be back at it, but it's going to be painful afterwards. (laughs) So you were giddy (laughs) at first when you were, you were loopy, you were loopy and then you're paying the price now. Yes. So I'm, I'm hurting today, but I'm, I'm okay. We're going to, I might even do a little Peloton class later to get these, get these legs moving. So they don't just lock up on me. That's, that's good. You know, they say you're supposed to work out, I guess every day. <laughs> so that's what they say. What 30 they say? minutes. Do you remember? I heard something like Michelle Obama saying at the time that, you know, in a perfect world, it's like two hours a day who has two hours. No. Also, what are we doing? What are you doing for two hours? It's just a long time for anything. For anything, Look, so that's, that's. I don't know where she gets her information, but we can't be a world of Steves, okay? I know there's there's only there can only be one. There can only be one. <laughs> and um, then, and yeah. then Steve is my husband. Steve Steve would be close to that standard, but we 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 can't get there. And if we did get there, Steve would insist on being beyond that, so he'd be at the gym double what we're doing. Oh, that's right, because he can't be mere, mere mortal. He's not a mere <laughs> mortal. I, on the other hand, was watching. Well, my son was watching TV the other night. As you know, now we're in the Christmas season. So what is on TV now, but Die Hard, right? And yes. it's on the cable channels. It was on, it was on sci-fi, the sci-fi channel, which is now, as you know, it's, it's no longer SCI, it's S-Y, S-Y-F-Y, okay. because, you know, it's too hard to pronounce or read, apparently. And that's People been, I know, know it's Skiffy. Skiffy. I thought it was Skiffy. Now this change <laughs> happened some time ago, but still, I still find it ridiculous. So, you know, I'm watching, it's great. You know, uh, I really love that movie. He loves my son loves the movie. Uh, it's, and it's also, you know, they 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 censored it so that, you know, he uh-huh. says, yippee Kaye, And then it cuts to the next scene, <laughs> which is fine. The violence, they don't really censor, but but the language they censored. So I said, OK, this is great. And it's such a great movie. And Patrick Gleason, who plays the deputy chief, uh, right. um, Dwayne, he uh, uh, he's so good. He's like one of my favorite characters because he has all these great lines, including, you know, like he says, oh, I hope that's not an I hope that's not a hostage. You know, when Al Rickman's body <laughs> yes. is falling or when the helicopter blows up and he says, I guess we're going to need more FBI guys, you know, really funny stuff. Okay. So enjoy that. 
And then the movie after that, right after that on sci-fi was Die Hard 2, which my son had not seen. And I said, oh, and I said, you might like this. They said it takes place at Dulles Airport. Oh, my gosh. And of course, it stars the great you know, the head of air traffic control there is uh, the late Fred Thompson. Yes, of course. And so my son's like, oh, I love that guy. He's great. This is wonderful. That movie was not censored. Oh. And every little treat for Michael. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just like, try to ignore all. I mean, there's there's MFers going on. There's just F-bombs left and right. A lot. There are a lot. You forget in Die, in, in die Hard, particularly Die Hard 2, it's it's a lot of uh, the profanity is a lot, and I was really surprised that they didn't censor any of it. And so I looked into it, and apparently this happened maybe three years ago, where there's Sci-Fi and a couple other cable channels like USA right. or whatever just decided, eh, we're not gonna. And I don't know how that's possible. We'll have to check with our old friend Action Pie. He'll know the rules about this. Yes. but you know, I thought you couldn't say that. But anyway, SEC rules a- are confusing. The, uh, yeah, when I, I did radio. When I did radio, you could uh, you could word yeah. use the word for instance, and I'm going to censor it a little bit because uh-huh. this is a family friendly podcast. Sure, you could use the word P-I-S-S oh. in certain contexts, but not others, and you have to know which ways you can use them. If I if I remember correctly, oh, that's um, interesting. So that was that was that was part of our training. One of the, yes, and also you know with the rating system, apparently you know the difference between I think PG-13 and R is depending if you're using. Uh, the F word as a noun or an adjective or something to that effect, which is also very interesting. The other thing that they didn't censor was (laughs) some of the violence. A guy gets killed with an ice pick to his eye. (laughs) It goes right in and they showed all of it. And I couldn't believe they showed that. (laughs) It's really, uh, by the way, and this is why you should subscribe to the, to the sub beacon as well on Patreon and check them out there. But, uh, but where is Die Hard 2 on the, on the quadrants, which is Vic's famous way of Well, there's no sex or nudity, obviously. And there's, you know, and, and Fred Thompson uh, really missed an opportunity. He really did. He did. And he's, he's all man, as you know, but you know, (laughs) duration has a little bit long plot. Straightforward ish. There's a little twist at the end. There's a couple twists at the end. So that's, you know, a little annoying, but the action and violence, man. That's yeah. off the it's off the chart. Ice off pick the, the ice, ice cube. Pick. It's not even it's not even an ice pick. It's an icicle. I'm sorry. Did I say ice pick? Oh, wow. it was, it's an icicle. So an icicle goes in, and I couldn't believe it. But see, that's seasonal too. I love it's that. seasonal too. And there's no evidence. There's no evidence. They can't find the we- the murder weapon. Can but, I ask uh, you yes. where where are you on the Die Hard as Christmas movie debate? I, it really is a Christmas movie. They play it, and and you can even make you know. And I believe Die Hard Two is Christmas also. So I, I for me, it's a Christmas movie, and so that's so it. I have no problem I, with that i'm yes. i'm on board for a christmas movie and here are my my two most compelling pieces of evidence number one it opens with a christmas carol right like yes. he's driving up to the tower oh yeah that's the opening song right number two and i didn't notice this till years into the debate but every christmas movie on the hallmark channel or wherever has a christmas themed name noel joy oh uh and nick in die hard his wife's name is Holly. <gasps> oh, that's good. Oh, Holly. you are mine. That's the tell, blown. guys. That's the tell. Holly and Gennaro. You are, and as, as you know, you are the foremost expert on Hallmark uh, Christmas movies. So I am, and that I, is and amazing. I named my that's kid Holly. One. So that's, that's right. That is, that, that, that's a great observation. And so I just wanted to pass that on to our listeners in case you're deciding to watch something with the whole family on sci-fi if they're playing good fellas look out that's all i'm gonna say there's also you know. die hard as a christmas 
illustrated book. It's like a little poem no. that retells. Really? Oh, that's great. We have it. We got it for Christmas one year. I learned the hard way that that one is also not censored. Oh, really? It's not okay. <laughs> Looks right. like a children's book. Yeah, I know because anything you see not cartoons, it's like, oh, it's cartoony. So that yes. means it's for kids. Not uh, one more story before we get get Please. to the get to the news. The real deal. Every year, uh, the Christmas decorating has to cause some sort of kerfuffle in my house, which is to be expected and is actually welcomed. I think the hassle is part of the season. You have to you have sure. to have these arguments with your family. When I was a child, it was we would fight every year over the long needled pine versus the fir. Mm-hmm. And my brothers preferred the long needled pine. My mom and I liked the fir. We'd have this fight every year. My mother would then fight with us because she didn't want the yeah, icky homemade yeah. ornaments all over the oh, place right. and she wanted a uniform tree and she could not have that until we all left the house so i carry on this tradition by being annoyed by my own christmas tree so last year we got a long needle pine because my husband sabotaged me he would say lovingly gave the girls the choice oh boy uh-huh. <laughs> but they chose a long needle pine muppet tree that looked terrible and uh, I spent all season trying to flock it and make it look snow covered and add yeah. garlands. And I, I couldn't repair it. I just had to embrace its ridiculousness. Well, I mean, so, so it's like a Charlie Brown theme kind of a tree. Not even Charlie, Charlie Brown would be, you would have sympathy for a Charlie Brown. Tree. <laughs> this one was like, this one was an assault. <gasps> Oh, I'm sorry. Salt. In fact, you can see it on my Instagram and my highlights. I, I put, I did a whole series of stories about it at MK Hammer Time on Instagram this year. Determined to not repeat. I was like, okay, look, we got it. We can't ruin Mom's Christmas, guys. And of course, I get made fun of for having my Christmas ruined by the tree. Understandable. Okay, I got over it eventually. Our tr- but- our our tree is still in our backyard. <laughs> you gotta get it up. Uh, yeah, apparently that's what you're supposed to do. Yes, bring that's it inside. the next step. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this weekend, we've got goals, goals. So we, so we go Christmas tree shopping and this weekend and I took the girls and we let them be involved in the decision, but in a more mom-style directed uh-huh. way uh-huh. than yeah. years past. And Steve like was like, don't ruin Jedi... this for your mother. Okay, um, say Jedi mind influence. What you really want is this. Is that what yes. you Okay. So we got a nice fur and I decided to go on the shorter side this year because I heard that the Christmas tree prices were going to be through the roof. So I was like, we let's heard just the go, same thing. Let's go smaller and then we'll put it on a table. And then you get two layers of present stacking. Looks very nice. Mm. And mm. so I was like, okay, let's, let's go that direction. So we get a nice tree. We put it, we put it on the coffee table. Now this is my other jujitsu. Oh no. Now we don't have a coffee table. I should upgrade the coffee table. Because we no. put it, we moved the coffee table over to a another spot in the living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yeah, the tree on. It, it, I was like, it's moving furniture a lot of times. Yeah, so let, me, let me order us another coffee table. So that's on its way. You. <laughs> that's my Christmas present to me. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Yes. Coffee table. Yes, and edition. then the problem we have is that my husband is tall and there's a light fixture in the middle of the room that was centered on the coffee table. Oh. So now it's centered on, it's like where the tree is? Kind well, of. no, now the light fixture is just hanging in the middle oh. of the room. Oh, right. So Ugh. yesterday, uh, when, mm-hmm. when my husband, a man of efficiency and power, uh, was going from the couch to the kitchen to throw something away, he went head first right into that 
light fixture. And oh, yes, fact, absolutely. Because it's lower then. Yeah. yeah. And it in fact caused a slight head wound. I, it it oh wasn't a lot. <laughs> enough, enough that it was okay for Christmas time. We're okay. We didn't have to go to the ER. It's and well, now I'm like, do we, we're just putting random objects in the middle of the room. So he has to walk around them. <laughs> it has to be, you have to restore it back to its rightful place. I think that's the only answer. After, I have to put, should January. we put the entire Christmas tree in the middle of the yeah, room? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Look, the, the coffee table's on its way. I think we can <laughs> keep inter- injuries okay. minimal. Yes. Okay, good. Good luck. Good luck to you. So I'm sore and he has a head injury. We're doing great. We're doing great. Just like New York City is doing. I was going to say better than most. Oh, not gosh. really. Okay. So New York City this week under the, the benevolent hand of Bill de Blasio, who is mayor, I should note, for just about another month, right? He's really cramming it in there, isn't he? He, just... he has things to do, Vic. And uh, one of the things he decided to do is implement a vaccine mandate for all workers in New York City, public and private sector. It will go into effect on December 27th. And then further... Children 5 to 11 will have to show proof of vaccination to enjoy indoor dining, fitness activities, and entertainment venues around the city. The requirements for children begin December 14th. Now, that means that if you are traveling to New York City to see the sites and you had, say, Broadway tickets planned or Broadway shows planned, no, although was, were, were the Broadway shows always for children vaccinated or not? that had to show vaccinations? I don't think so. I think there was a period of time, there was a glorious period in there where you could take your kid to a Broadway show. I, I think that I think that it's required, but don't don't quote me on that. At um, any rate. Pretty strict. The any theater's of, pretty any strict. Of the, any of the plans you had for your kids and you, you're going to have to... Suppose you're four. Those. What does that mean? Can you still go or you're not allowed at all in? Or you can say, oh, you have to go in with a mask. Because then if you have a five or a six-year-old, can you fake right. it and just say, or will they say, we need to see your child's ID to prove that your child is not, you know, five o'clock. You know? I don't know. And the truth is that. Oh, I see. Proof of vaccination either. is now required, according to our producer. Alex um, Thank you. Well, the truth is that, that de Blasio doesn't know, right? <laughs> he was asked, how are you guys going to enforce all this? And he said, we'll let you know on the 15th. Do you know how crowded places like Junior's Cheesecake gets, you know, which is, you know, in the middle of just off Broadway. Right. It's insane. And a lot of families, a lot of children, as you mentioned, a lot of people from out of town. And all these people are going to have to provide proof with children, uh, proof of vaccination. Well, and really, again, this is a huge time of commerce for New York City. I understand that COVID is still a challenge, obviously, in the Northeast and the Midwest we're going to see some seasonal spiking. And so I understand people are concerned. This is pretty heady, heavy handed. It concerns me for uh, just New York city's survival as a destination. Obviously New York city will, will always exist in some capacity, but not in the, in the sort of vibrant, everybody wants to see it kind of way. I mean, if I can't take my kids with me and do normal no. stuff because the uptake it's not on, worth it at this point. The uptake on kids' vaccines is not not gigantic. I think it's in the ten percent ish range at this point, and it may grow in New York City, but you're still going to have a bunch of kids who are not allowed into a lot of events. Right, we're not talking about a small town here. I mean, this is a this is this is New York City. So I mean, but what, what again? Every time I see this in the news, I keep on thinking, what he's still mayor. 
You know, it's he just is. like, how many more days does he have? Left? And, and, and what else is he going to get between now and the time he leaves? Well, oh, by the way, I just defunded the police. You know, oh, by the way, I just ended charter schools. You know, oh, by the way, I mean, why doesn't he just go? Well, he full- did. He, yes. he did float a booster requirement as well. Oh, sure. I'm so not, that's I'm not surely coming. That. Also, um, I mean, but why not go all the way? Like, you know, I was just reading about, you know, in Germany, they have a full lockdown on the unvaxxed so that you can't, if you're unvaccinated in Germany now, you can't basically can't do anything uh, with the except uh, in public except for supermarkets and 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 pharmacies. You know what they Ooh. call apothecas, right? And and that's it. Yeah, that's it. And so full stop. And why not just do that? I mean, but it really goes into the sort of how insane you know he is and how De Blasio's mind works and what we're seeing now. And of course, there's no accountability because he's done. He's out of here. Um, do you think? when he's gone that uh, the new mayor, Eric Adams will reverse a lot of the stuff. Well, I'm interested to see what he does because I think, I think probably, and probably want to look, I think officials want to be seen as doing something. They have to. The, the issue is on the left is right. The issue is that, you know, are these things effective and it seems not to matter too much, whether they're (laughs) effective. The uh, case rate of course is higher in New York city now than it was before the vaccine mandate was first put into place and it will continue to go up for a little while because the seasonality sort of trumps everything else. Right. uh, As we've seen uh, with the data, even, even severe mitigation strategies. So I think he needs to be seen as doing something. He wants Mm -hmm. to remain a liberal political force in the future. Eric Adams to me has a, seems to have a lighter touch. Yeah. He is certainly, he is certainly liberal, but he's somebody who understands that, hey, if we want the city to survive, there's certain things we have to do. And I'm hopeful that maybe he won't be as heavy handed. But once these once these things are in place, it's kind of hard to compare pull back to on compared them, to Blasio. It's going to feel like Giuliani is back <laughs> in Greece. Well, Greece here's I'll play us a little bit of de Blasio introing his his grand new plan for the, his Christmas gift to New York City. We in New York City have decided to use a preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop the further growth of COVID and the dangers it's causing to all of us. So as of today, we're going to announce a first in the nation measure. Our health commissioner will announce a vaccine mandate for private sector employers across the board. All private sector employers in New York City will be covered by this vaccine mandate as of December 27th. We're going to have some other measures as well to really focus on maximizing vaccination quickly so we can get ahead of Omicron and all the other challenges we're facing right now. You know, this isn't exactly an incentive. Like we, we will allow you to participate in normal life in this free American city. That's our incentive to you. A freedom you've always had. What, what I noticed uh, in, that, in the video that you sent of him is also uh, when he says to get and make sure you are uh, double vaxxed, boosted and masked because that's, that's how it works. I guess yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It, it does not sound like a fun vacation. Destination. No, why would you, why would you it, it, it kill in the city? And in, 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 so to speak again, uh, you know, his idea is that you know, this is the idea is that, Oh, because of this private sector mandate, which it doesn't seem to have, uh, I didn't see any sort of like, um, find print about for companies with more than 20 employees or 50 employees. It just said private sector 
mandate and that he believes people will be like, okay, well, now's the time. I just saw this new mandate. I guess now I'm finally going to get vaccinated. And maybe that'll get some people It'll out. But some people for some sure. People, but you know where it's not, not in Staten Island. <laughs> I guarantee you <laughs> it's going to have the opposite effect. No, it certainly won't. They're breaking away. It won't push everyone. In fact, uh, I'm going to play some audio of my friend, uh, Carol Markowitz, who writes for the New York Post, who she was announcing on uh, Megyn Kelly's show. She, her family's sort of been on the edge about whether they're going to stay or go in New York. And to me, she was a gauge for how bad COVID, the COVID policy experience, not necessarily the COVID experience in New mm-hmm. York City, but the COVID policy experience in New York City was because she's a, you know, a New Yorker forever, you know, and, and a, a naturalized citizen immigrant to New York from, uh, from Russia during the 80s, just in love with the city. And if she was prepared to exit, I knew that that was a big deal. And to her, this was the final straw. I stop you for that one um, for a second on the masks outside mm-hmm. and what they're doing. Because I, I think most of my listeners are, are in places where they, they're like, what? what? Like, right. I don't think everybody believes we're still doing this to our kids in New York. Yeah. And I think when I when I tell stories about what's happening in New York City schools, I get such emails like, how are you still putting up with this? And, you know, I ask myself that all the time. And in fact, I think this is this is it for our family. We're leaving. This is this is the end for us. You're doing um, it. But you said I'm, you might when I talked to you last. Yeah. yeah. But this it's just I don't see an end to the crazy. And I think that the city has really been lost, especially where kids are concerned. They're they're put last again and again. So uh, she, to me, was a, a gauge of where we are in the pandemic response and how people right. who are not fully on board with all these mitigations are reacting. And I think there's going to there will be more exodus as a result of this. That's right. But and then the only people who will be left are the people who really want it. I mean, you yes. might see this like, you know, in parts of Oregon, where Oregon, is, they're trying to, you know, pass this. They need to pass a law, they say, because of the the temporary status of, of, of the mask mandates uh, can't go on forever. And so what they can do is institute one that says it's indefinite. And then they will, you know, trust us at some point. I'm sure we will not make it indefinite and we can repeal it. But the idea that they want to pass in Oregon, for example, uh, a law that makes mask wearing in public, you know, indoors indefinite, you know, sort of like we've been around for what 300,000 years yep <laughs> and now in 2021 what you know 50 something years after the moon landing oh by the way now we we've been stopped this virus is that's this is it this it's, is it for us this is it uh, we lost it probably goes without saying that uh that there is no natural immunity recognized in this proposed regime and you cannot test out of it which again if you're a, particularly if you have children who are very low risk who maybe had COVID and are immune, it doesn't make sense that in order yeah. to go to dinner in an American city, you would need to do this. It just no, doesn't it, make sense. Again, and then nobody wants, everybody's, again, say this every, uh, every episode, but everyone is so fa- focused on case numbers versus recovery rate and other things. Uh, recovery rate for kids is 99.998%, which apparently is not enough. So well, please wear masks in the playgrounds. A kid, a kid health issue that might actually be adverse as, as opposed to COVID, which is something they're at very low risk for is obesity. Now we've like, Mm. we've talked about the children's obesity problem in America. I mean, that's Michelle Obama, uh, changed famously changed, changed the school lunches from the square icky pizza. Let's move. Was that her, was that her phrase? Let's move or get fit. I I think, I think we were let's moving. Yes. Let's move. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And a okay. lot of people said, just say no to that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They did. Well, okay. <laughs> so more than, according to a new study, more than half of America's youngest adults, 56%, I can say words, 56% of those ages 18 to 25 are overweight or obese, according to Johns Hopkins research published in JAMA, which is a, a medical journal. Uh, using data from a nationally representative sample of 8,015 people in that age bracket, the researchers compared average weights over the past four decades. In that time, that population's average body mass index, a measure of body fat based on person's height and weight, had increased by 4.6 points from 23 to 27-ish. That shifted the number of overweight young adults from about 18% in the late 70s to nearly 24%, 24% by 2018, and now we're far above that. Are you concerned about this, Vic? Uh, does America have, and do children have, is, uh, is there an obesity problem in America? Yes, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. say yes. yes. Uh, a lot of it is we spend more time, you know, on screens at home. Certainly in the last couple of years, you know, studying remote, learning remotely, that doesn't help. Then getting out and being more physical. And a lot of times if it's not, you know, an organized sport, you know, kids, you know, you have to get kids to just get out on their own and just do whatever they want and play out on the street. And not a lot of, you know, not everybody does that. Yeah. The thing is also, uh, in addition to that, everybody's so busy working, nobody has time to cook, I understand. And as, as a result, you know, there are so many great conveniences, you know, when it comes to uh, having a babysitter, you turn to your iPad or whatever, your phone to keep the, the li even little kids uh, occupied. And when it comes to making food for everybody, because if, if both parents are working, there is such an allure for, you know, getting food that's already uh, made. Right. And the problem is, I mean, where most people get, you know, too much of their, uh, sol you know, like too much sodium, for example, is from a highly processed food. If you cook your, uh, on your own, the great Michael Ruhlman always says, you know, if you make your own food, you could add as much salt as you want. You can be very generous with it. You're still going to be fine. It's the going out to a lot of restaurants where the stuff is, it's, it's the highly processed stuff. It's processed right. food, sodium. That's where the problem lies. Your trouble. Yeah. yeah. And so in a perfect world, you know, everybody is cooking and we're eating healthier, but, and here's the interesting thing. Um, you know, people will turn to fast food or they'll go to places like McDonald's. Although now with prices at McDonald's going up, as you know, who knows? I mean, what happens here's after your that? $32 meal. Yeah, that's right. So I, 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 you know, it is of concern, uh, without question. Although I do question some of the metrics, including the body mass index. Right. So that's where I am too, where it's, I, I believe this is an issue. I'm not sure body mass index is the way to capture how much this is an issue. And I agree with you that, that uh, remote learning certainly didn't help no. the issue among a younger cohort. And in particular, and this obviously is not the, the 18 to 25 bracket in this, but I, actually it does affect them partly. But I, one of my favorite idiocies during the pandemic was the closing of parks and hiking trails. Yeah. Exactly. There were there were there were two things we really knew really fast about COVID. One that it affected the elderly much more than the young. Um, Cuomo sort of you know right. ignored that bit of advice. Uh, two that outside was safer than inside. And what did we do? Particularly in New York, shove COVID positive elderly people into places that have more elderly people and close the parks. That's right. You lock lock the lock the parks so the kids can't play. 
So what are you supposed to do? It, it, it is so aggravating because, you know, they want everybody to be locked in their homes and isolating. And I remember, I can't tell how many times I saw, for example, in the Washington Post, you know, recommendations for a family poetry slam night. Oh, you know, that's what you can do. Is See? that what you guys did? <laughs> nope. Uh, so anyway, the uh, but but that is a problem not being able to go outside. Our friend Matt Labash, of course, talked about it even in Maryland, how he wasn't able to go, you know, do his fly fishing because get COVID from the fly fishing. So because, other people, other people are out there. Yeah, down the stream might get you. So, I tried to do the uh, it's ridiculous. I tried to do the Manitou and is it the Manitou incline in uh, Colorado Springs, which is when you walk straight up the straight up oh the mountain. Gosh. In, uh, in Colorado Springs, it was maybe June of 2020 uh-huh. yeah. and it was closed. And I was told, I was like, well, we should just go and do it. Cause like, how closed is it? I mean, it's right. a mountain, it's a mountain, but someone told us that they would, if you got caught, they would fine you a lot of money. And we were like, ugh. so we, we ended up hiking a trail up to halfway up the Manitou incline and then took the stairs because wow. the opening, the opening was where you might get caught. So mm-hmm. we just. We just took a different hike. You're, you're like you're like Richard Dreyfus and the woman in Close Encounters. You're trying to get up to the mountain. You know, you're sneaking in there. Yeah, you we gotta trying watch to do. that. It's you, you and Steve are like that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, have you calculated? Do you did you ever put your information to the into BMI the, calculator? BMI calculator. Yes, I have put my information into the BMI calculator, and uh, let's just say, Vic, that I am a dense lady. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'm. I was gonna say. You probably are still within the parameters of. I am. Health. I'm normal you, weight, oh, but I'm. Oh, for goodness. And your husband, obviously. I, I am. Look, I'm going to share this with our readers. It's very personal information, but you know, I'm about 168 pounds, right? And, and supposedly 5'7. So I thought I was taller. I was thought of, I, my driver's license, I think, says 5'9, but apparently it's 5'7. Anyway. <laughs> I run maybe two, three times a week when I'm right. feeling well and do uh, planking and, and, and lifting, as people know. And yet I'm in the category of overweight. Boo. Boo. I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't take into account my burgeoning well, muscles. And, that, and that's the thing. And, and then <laughs> the New York Times has reported on this in the past. This is from, yeah. a, from a 2016 piece. That taken alone as an indicator of health, the BMI is misleading. A study by researchers at UCLA Um looked at 40,000 adults in the most recent U.S. National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey and assessed their health as measured by six accepted metrics, including blood pressure, cholesterol, C-reactive protein, which is a gauge of inflammation. It found 47% of people classified as overweight by BMI and 29% of those who qualified as obese were healthy as measured by at least five of those other Mm -hmm. metrics. Obviously, when you're just doing a, a rudimentary height and weight, it can capture uh, a lot of I don't know, muscle weight, for instance. That's yes. what I, that's what I like that's to think that I, always, I carry around. Yes, okay? that's right. That's right. In fact, yeah. speaking, Matt Labesh used to have a joke about it, but it's not for the family. So anyway, let's we can just move on. Sorry. <laughs> so I believe we have an issue with obesity, and I, yeah. I actually believe that uh, by opening up the parks, for instance, that might be a way that we could uh, we could get an end around on COVID by just nice. like, let, letting people do things that are active and not shutting the gyms and not shutting all the trails. Um, and that, and that that would do us all, do us all some good. Some good. That's right. But here we are. That's not how it went down. No, no, of course not. Up next we have, are you kidding me? Stacey Abrams. Are you kidding me? Stacey? Abrams? This is not what, actually... if you sent the email, I was wondering what AYFKM stood for. Are you kidding me? Okay. <laughs> I'm censoring myself, but 
Stacey Abrams this week, who has announced a run uh, for governor of Georgia. Again, she ran last in 2018 and lost to Brian Kemp, who is the current GOP governor of Georgia. She said on the news this week that she, quote, did not challenge the Georgia election outcome. Honestly, are you kidding me? Stacey Abrams could maybe be a a recurring segment (laughs) on this show because uh, there's a lot there. Uh, let's, Let's just play her claim. And then um, a look back. Joining us now is the newly announced Democratic go- candidate for governor of, of Georgia, Stacey Abrams. On the 16th of November, when I acknowledged that I would not become the governor, that he had won the election. Cliff said you know, she lost. I'm like, no, I just didn't win. It was not a free and fair election. I did not challenge the outcome of the election. This is not a speech of concession. Who uh, notably did not concede. I did not. Okay. Is the election in Georgia statewide a free and fair election? It was not a free and fair election. What I said was that the system was not fair. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. There you go. That is courtesy of the courtesy of the free beacon, too. Yes, much appreciated for putting together the, the supercut of times that Stacey Abrams said she won the gubernatorial election. When she when she announced she was running, I was like, but isn't she already governor? Wasn't she also known for contesting the election for yes, since that that's time? That's how she became a thing that's right and 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 a lot of people including terry mcauliffe touting her claim as well that uh that that she in fact was the the rightful should be the rightful governor uh and then suddenly she just turns around and says it and then everyone's like okay is that how it is that how it works by the way so that everyone just this this is i've said it i've said it before and i'll say it again i've said it on cnn and ticked people off but even even when your faves the people on your team deny the legitimacy of free and fair elections it is bad for the country and you should not be okay with it when you're super mad at trump for doing it it comes this back thing. to you or does it i mean again she's going along and being able to just say no i never said it and everybody seems to be like okay well let's move on then that's great um well we'll see what happens in the in the in the election coming up then we will and and the 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 great the great state of the state of American politics right now is that the cartoons of of both parties shall be pitted against one another, and we will never escape from this terrible, uh, terrible matchup. So right now, Trump is busy ruining Kemp's chances to be reelected by by saying, of course, attacking Kemp. Many assume that he would not back him and would in fact troll him throughout the election yes. because he did not do what Trump wanted him to do in Georgia when he, he when Trump him. lost. Yeah. Georgia uh, with with votes and whatnot. And uh, so Purdue, Dave Purdue, is, he lost to uh, Senator Ossoff in a in a runoff. Sometimes I can't believe those guys are actually senators too. Ossoff mm-hmm. and Warnock. It really mm-hmm. is quite something. It's a, for the moment, Georgia is a blue state. I know. In, in, in some yeah. very serious ways. And so uh, Purdue is going to primary, GOP candidate is going to primary, and uh, the party's just going to fight itself a bunch. And certainly give Abrams more of an opening than she would. Oh, there'll have be had. tons of fodder. Then you know whatever whatever comes out in the negative attacks against Kemp if Kemp survives, then that will um, obviously be used against him by Stacey Abrams. And then if 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 it happens to be Purdue, well then he's got that luggage as well to uh, to deal with. Um, it is going to be an interesting test case uh, to see how well Trump still resonates in Georgia in a primary, and how people feel about wanting to support his candidate versus uh, Brian Kemp. 
who well, by the- by all other standards is you know a traditional sort of republican governor yes. but because of what happened you know it's uh i mean there's not, not a huge there's not a ton of space between kemp and and purdue as candidates except that trump loyalty would no, prefer one for, of yeah, them right that's right that's um right. and so yes we're, we're certain to self-emulate uh down in <laughs> down in georgia we'll see. uh and by the way if someone had told you two years ago that virginia would look a little bit more red than Georgia at this point. Wow. That's true. Especially now with uh, that, that, that vote, uh, the recount in the uh, house of delegates now has officially tipped the scales for Republicans, at least by one seat. Look at that. Look at that. If only Trump had come here to tell a bunch of Republicans that their votes didn't matter and we could have just given the thing away. (laughs) Stay tuned in Georgia. Um, Former Senator Bob Dole died this week. Uh, at yes. the ripe old age of 98 and was still writing op-eds, by the way. He filed one right before right before he died. I really got to get that kind of motivation in my life. But uh, <laughs> it's to be expected as he was a, a member of the greatest generation, famously a, a wounded war vet and an aspirant to the presidency who never made it. Did you have any experience with Dole? Oh, well, you know, it's so funny, Mary Catherine, that you would ask. Um, so, first of all, because uh, I didn't ta- know it all. Oh, no, no. OK, so first of all, an amazing man, an American hero, service in World War II in the Mountain Division. But the interesting thing is his injury that almost killed him and killed a lot of men uh, was a campaign uh, in northern Italy in April of 45, which you would have, uh, you know, wow. you assume by then. I mean, there's less than a month to go before the whole thing ends. Right. right. So, I mean, the, 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 the Soviets are coming into Berlin and um uh, the Americans and the British are coming in from the West and they're squeezing him in the middle, but we still had this campaign going up through the remnants of uh, um, the, the old Mussolini regime. The Northern part had split. It was called the Salo regime and they were up there and they were going to push them up through. But these are already the, uh, a lot of the Germans who were fighting in that area were like the elite units. And, uh, and, and that's where uh, Bob Dole ends up getting hit from a, a shell fragments, shrapnel in his back and in his right arm and spent a whole, you know, uh, a year, you know, in a hospital bed, right? I mean, convalescing. I mean, it's just quite remarkable. Uh, Again, how many people obviously um, lost their lives with only a few weeks to go. I mean, I guess they didn't know it was just a few weeks to go at the, you know, at the time. But when you look back at it, it's maddening, right? Right. And then, of course, he ultimately became the the senator from uh, uh, Kansas uh, and uh, a two-time majority leader. Uh, when I start at the Weekly Standard in uh, 96, I got to go to both conventions as a foot runner, as you will, if you will. And so in San Diego at the Republican convention, I was there uh, when Dole accepted the nomination, uh, along with the late Jack Kemp. So, I mean, that's both 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 candidates are gone uh, now. And it was great and exciting. I don't think we ever realistically thought he had a chance against the Clinton juggernaut and the economy at the time. And he would say, where is the outrage, which was true. And that came later with Lewinsky. But what I wanted to say was one of my pet peeves is whenever a famous person dies and then everybody has to put their two cents in about how great that person was. But in fact, 99% of their appreciation of the person is about how that person knew them. Yes, and so they'll be like, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to mention names because people are very sensitive about this, but I see it all the time, including people I know, uh, a very famous person on our side died, a wonderful person. And another person was reminiscing about him. And their whole reminiscence was how I told a joke and the famous person who died 
thought it was the funniest thing he ever heard. May he rest in go. peace. And I just want to say in 96, I was there at the Republican convention. I was young and bright eyed and I had to uh, get in the car and go over the Reagan bridge to deliver some copies of the weekly standard to the hotel bell on Coronado. And while I was there, I had this uh, lunch alone overlooking tennis courts in the Pacific ocean having uh, Chilean sea bass, which I'd never had before. And I thought that was really fancy when, of course, it's fairly overrated. Nevertheless, I was there. You had stuff to learn. I had stuff to learn. And it was an amazing experience. Uh, rest in peace, Bob Dole. <laughs> that okay. was a beautiful tribute. That's, some of the be- that's one of the better ones. I mean, let's face it. You know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'd have to be like, let me tell you where I was when I was 16. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, yes, yes. <laughs> Up next, we have You Love to See It. You Love to See It. There is a Politico piece called Democrats Fall Flat with Latinx Language. And the whole thing is just a romp for anyone who has known this was the case for, I mean, this information has been available for a while, but Politico is now letting Democrats know. As Democrats seek to reach out to Latino voters in a more gender neutral way, they've increasingly begun to use the word Latinx a term that first began to get traction among academics and activists on the left. But that very effort could be counterproductive in courting those of Latin American descent, according to a new nationwide poll of Hispanic voters. Only 2% of those polled refer to themselves as Latinx, while 68% call themselves Hispanic and 21% favored Latino or Latina to describe their ethnic background. And it gets worse. 40% said that Latinx bothers or offends them to some degree. And 30% said they would be less likely to support a politician or organization that uses the term. It's amazing because it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it goes back to this hubris of, we know, we know so much more than you do. And even though it's your people and you've had this culture and this language for what, a couple hundred years, maybe at most, I don't know. And it's also Spanish. we it's can a change gendered, that. It's a gendered language. A lot of languages are, right? And so, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a German is the same way, right? Der, die, das. A French is the same way. Right. And what they want to do in, with, with the Spanish language is what they really want to do is not just say we should say Latinx or, or Latin X, but uh, rather that you need to basically change. Your language needs to right. change because we think that it's wrong. And that it's unfair and that it's discriminatory. Your language or the language of, you know, Cervantes or whoever. This is really and what they want to do. And of course, it's going to be a, a huge turnoff. I don't blame them. I'm surprised the number is even larger. Anyone who mentions that would drive me nuts. Wait till somebody starts telling me. Matthew Foldy was uh, our, our, my colleague at the Free Beacon was making a joke about uh, uh, a Filipino friend of his who, who, who says that the term should be Philippines. Right. And oh, I just gosh. said, wait, wait till it was, he was joking, but it'll, really, it'll happen. Honestly, it'll happen because of course, why not? Because well, they know better. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of data that suggests that, uh, that that's not the case. And I, I do, I do enjoy the, the framing in this political piece is basically that, uh, Hey, Hey, uh, Democrats are giving Republicans, uh, an opening Republicans are seizing upon yeah, yeah. The Your pouncing. use of Latinx. They're pouncing. They're pouncing on this Latinx. They're pouncing. Latinx um, when in fact, what obviously the use of Latinx is not the whole problem. It is a, it's a signifier it's of a these folks, That's like right. you said, being condescending, <laughs> uh, assuming that they know what's best for a community that they're sort of putting their own beliefs upon. While Republicans on the other side not only have seized upon that as a, as a symbol of them being out of touch, but also have spent uh, a lot of time and money 
reaching out to the Latin, uh, the Latin, I just said it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you see how it's happening. It's so pervasive. They, they got me. Yeah, they got the Latino, you. the Latino and Hispanic community in, in greater and better ways uh, over the no, past couple of years. Bring them in. Bring them yes. in. Absolutely. So the combination is not great. This is one of the quotes that, that struck me as one of the founders of Univision said they built the network around the concept of using the words Latino and especially Hispanic because it reflected the Spanish language and united Spanish speakers from across Latin America. He said his objection to Latinx is that it's, quote, too weird. It's dumb. It's foreign. It's not Spanish. <laughs> so that's that's, that's end a pretty of discussion. comprehensive. That's it. Full stop. That's it. That should be that should just be the reply every time somebody it's tries dumb again they're trying to make it's like in mean girls they're trying to make fetch happen right <laughs> not that i watched that movie a lot but i'm just yeah. saying it's one of those things I haven't oh, it's on it. again i haven't rewatched it recently at all <laughs> and last because there's nothing to talk about in sports this week at all because um <laughs> definitely nothing happened at the sec championship game that we need to examine or discuss it's not it's not important i'm already hurting enough from my workout and we're just going to skip right past that okay no sport and we'll we'll just when i have some time to mourn we can talk about the college football playoffs sounds good that sound okay yeah all right so instead we're going to talk about comfort food because that's what i needed to get past this moment in my life every damn time with bama (laughs) you know i was telling uh guy benson who is a, a huge football fan that, you know, what I really like to do is I like to end one year with a high stakes loss to Bama. And then I like to start the next year with another one. That's, that's what the Georgia Bulldogs like to do. But there's some like, there's some good moments in the middle somewhere. You can tell I'm still working through my grief and Alex, we will, Alex will is, Alex is dying to tell us something, but I, <laughs> Mary Catherine, you're a Lions fan. Oh yeah. And they won. That's right. This is true. That's huge. Oh, you're right. They did. They won one game. Uh, I have to say. I got that. that I, am, ga- I picked that game. I knew they were going to cover. I didn't think they were going to win. Jeez. I know. It, well, many, many consider it a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so they have won one game. They beat the Vikings. The Vikings are understandably perplexed and depressed as I am after the Georgia game. So here we are. Here we are. I'm going to recuperate. I'm a positive person. We're going to come back to it next week. We're going to revisit. Yes. It's great how we wanted to skip over sports and then you just go right <laughs> into it. You know, a glutton, glutton okay, for punishment. Speaking of gluttony. Sorry. There you go. That's why we keep you around. Vic. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm just hanging by thread. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. Um, so I've decided that Vic and I should talk about food every week because it's fun and we, we're both interested in it. So Reese's, and this is one of those gimmicky food things, but I don't care because it sounds yummy. Reese's has put out a giant peanut butter cup with potato chips inside. How do you feel about this, Vic? I'm skeptical. Mm. I get it. I get it. Right. First of all, does Reese's have like a trillion dollars? Because aren't they on like a, every sporting event or every time it's on a big thing is happening on TV, Reese's has commercials. And it's just like around the clock of the, the bright also, orange. The whole screen fills with bright orange. And I know what, what's happening here. I don't and know. Do we, need the, do we need the commercials? Don't we? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Thank like you Reese's? for reminding me. I need to get a Reese's peanut after watching it. I must get it. Um, I get it. Right. I understand what they're trying to do. Because, uh, sea salt caramel right? Chocolate covered right. pretzels. You're mixing sweet and salt. And that's supposed to be the sweet spot, so to speak of like, you know, it, 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 it hits all the zones right? right on your tongue. So I get it. That said, I potato chips, are they, are they touting a brand of potato chips they're using in their 
peanut butter mix. It doesn't look like it, but they should have like a Doritos Locos. Tacos. Right. It would they be a thing. Just I was done, <laughs> you're just thinking picked. big. I was thinking us, but you're thinking big. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm willing to try it, but it, it just sounds like a bit much. And uh, honestly, focus on what you have already. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already sort of become, you know, suspicious of the, the peanut butter filling in the, in the Reese's peanut. It's not great peanut butter, you know, no. in itself. I mean, next year, I mean, it's, 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 it's just okay. And, I actually don't like peanut yeah. butter a lot, but I like Reese's, which speaks to the fact that it doesn't How good it really is. Oh. taste like, Oh, oh I see. Butter, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, I think and that's in a perfect happening. world. You know what? Get, get me, you know, listeners out there, you, you, you want to get me something, get me, get me one of those turtle bars. Get me a box of tur. I'm kidding. Don't send it. But uh, you know the tur- you know the turtle bars. Yeah, it's pecans and caramels. Okay, that that's the now good we're stuff. talking. So this that's is a it's, it's Reese's cups laced with little pieces of crisp potato chip. I'm a little wary of. Does the- it say does does the promo say laced? No, this is this is this is an Instagram post. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but I'm a little wary of the preservatives required to keep the potato chip everything crunchy. all together while it's in the peanut butter how do we do that i mean i admire it because capitalism but i'm maybe a little bit concerned (laughs) yeah yeah how much how much potato is actually in there if i told you you're having a potato inside a peanut butter filling surrounded by chocolate i don't know it's questionable it's questionable i'm gonna try it i will report back next week um and you know maybe we'll talk about sports since we didn't this week sounds good uh (laughs) i have a correction by the way Uh uh-oh what do we get wrong on me on, on the last episode, I said that uh, the Beatles uh, performed on the roof, the Beatles Get Back documentary. And I mentioned that they performed mm-hmm. on the rooftop of Twickenham Studios. But friend and listener Michael Warren, who is yeah. a huge Beatles fan, Beatles fan, he says it's Apple Studios rooftop. So somehow mm-hmm. they moved from one to the other back to Apple. And uh, I haven't gotten there yet because, of course, it's spoiler a spoiler alert. It's yes, it's 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 spoiler alert. They moved to the apple studio rooftop and i don't know if they i don't know if the band spoiler i i don't know if the band stays together but um you know i got like a hundred more hours to go well we'll yes as do i i started and the thing isn't it good here's two things that i know so far it's great here's two things i know so far one i want all of george harrison's outfits (laughs) funky yeah number two you know who don't make no trouble yoko ringo star don't make (laughs) oh no no, right yeah ringo is he just nods can we just get through it he'll pick up a beat nothing's too challenging and sometimes there's the moment where you know um i i guess you know uh gold uh carry that weight you know the, that song mm-hmm. carry that weight and paul makes reference of wanting to do a song for ringo for ringo, for ringo and it's yeah. so thoughtful it's like, i want him to do a song Sweet. i want him to do a song Sweet. Cool, and then george weight, so. george shows up late and he's like hey sorry i was late and they're like it's cool man we don't care <laughs> there's yeah that's okay all right on that note we could talk about this forever but we can't because that wraps up another edition of getting hammered uh, remember you can subscribe to us on itunes google play and stitcher and you can follow me on twitter at victorina mattis you can also review us which would i think oh. helps with the things nice reviews the, please the searching and nice the algorithm. give us some nice reviews i'm mary Constructive criticism. at mk hammer at, on twitter and at mk hammer time on instagram this has been a nebulous media podcast <laughs>